Welcome to the Who Approved These Lyrics podcast. Someone gave this the green light? What the fuck were they thinking? These lyrics are terrible. Who approved this shit? Hi, welcome to Who Approved These Lyrics. I'm your host, Wes. Leo's not here today. Uh, he's battling gout. We hope he gets better soon. Um, geez, I feel like every time I say Leo's not here, I'm uh, uh, just uh, uh, saying like worse and worse things about him. Um, he, he's just, you know, he's got holidays. So I'm doing an episode. Don't want to sort of leave uh, too much time between episodes. So this is why I'm doing it without him. Um, anyway, we've got a good one. Uh, one of the episodes we did recently was Now That's What I Call Music. We did their first um, uh, album, which was a British version. Now we're going with the first one to come out in America, which came out in 1998 and is a fucking gorgeous time capsule. Um, so let's get it started with a uh, beer chugging and a uh, wonderful time capsule of a song called As Long As You Love Me. By the Back Street Boys? Oh, that chugging did not go well. I didn't even finish. That's okay. Leo's not here to make fun of me. Um, hope you guys will give me a mulligan. How many fucking beers have I chugged on this show? I'm confident in my uh, chugging ability. I don't gotta prove anything to you. All right. So as long as you love me by the Backstreet Boys, uh, I think it's fair to predict that this song is going to be goddamn ridiculous, but let's get into it and find out together. Alright, the first verse is, uh, although loneliness has always been a friend of mine, I'm leaving my life in your hands. People say I'm crazy and that I am blind, risking it all at a glance. <clears throat> hands, glance, eh. And how you got me blind is still a mystery. I can't get you out of my head. Don't care what is written in your history, as long as you're here with me. Alright, so, uh, this is, I mean, I don't know, uh, this isn't as schlocky and bad as I thought about, thought it would be at first glance, but let's go a little bit deeper. So, this person begins by saying, although loneliness has always been a friend of mine, you're a fucking Backstreet Boy, man. Like, <laughs> you, uh, you know, were probably raised as a professional level, um, ability to dance, and uh, that's what you got chosen for. Um, I don't know that you're that lonely if you're that rich and successful. And you might want to say, oh, uh, rich and uh, successful people can be lonely too. And yeah, that's true. But I don't really have much sympathy for them because they have the ability to go out and uh, spend leisure time trying to make friends. Whereas somebody who's uh, maybe disenfranchised or um, poor and lonely really has to spend either all that time working or all that time, you know, sleeping so that they can get to work. So social lives are not as uh, dynamic um, if you're poor and lonely. So anyway, yeah. Uh, loneliness has always been a friend of mine, you privileged fuck. Fuck you. 
Um, and then this person is saying, I'm leaving their life in my hands. So like, if you've been lonely all the time, you're then saying, uh, uh, like that I'm crazy for risking it all at a glance. So you're saying you're lonely all the time and without really knowing the object of affection of this song who, you know, cause it's in a man's voice and, uh, I don't know, Backstreet Boys are generally pretty heteronormative, uh, except Lance Bass. I don't know. He was in one of them. One of those boy bands, he turned out to be gay. But, like, they were presented as this very heteronormative band, so I'm assuming the song is about a woman. Um, uh, this lonely... The the, 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 prefi- the the way they're establishing this, ba- this song is that this guy is lonely and that he sees somebody and is just like, I'm putting my whole life in your hands even though I, like, just saw you once at a glance. Is that romantic? I mean, an entire generation of teenage girls thought so, and they ate this shit up like popcorn. Uh, but that seems very... <coughs> excuse me. Maladjusted and antisocial. Um, you know, you should really get to know someone before you decide that you love them. So, for just this first verse, I think we're dealing with a bit of a stalker. Um, so, let's see uh, how it goes from there. Uh, and also, it's oh yeah, yeah. At the end, like these are these are very unhealthy expectations that this person is building up because they're saying, um, you know, I'm putting my life in your hands with a glance, whatever, blah blah blah. But then they also say, don't care what's written in your history. Our histories are what make us who we are. Um, the good, the bad, and everything like that. Like you can accept bad things in someone's history and you know love them despite you know something bad they may have done. But if you don't care what's in their past, you don't care about. Uh, who that person is. So I really think this uh, song is about somebody who uh, is making a snap decision and is super fucking lonely and then is um, uh, not taking this person into, like, the not really uh, contemplating this object and they're viewing this person as an object um, as a, you know, fully rounded person with a history. They're saying they don't care about the history. So... They're putting the pussy on a pedestal, is what I'm really saying. <laughs> um, so this, this is these these lyrics are kind of scary. I mean, this is not the kind of shit you want written in a love letter to you if you're a lady. This is like some taxi driver, um, uh, Robert De Niro, you talking to me type shit. Because uh, that's what it means when you're like saying you're lonely and you don't care about a person's history and all that jazz. Um, so yeah, this is. Why did a generation of teenage girls love this shit? It's really weird. Um, and then it says, I don't care. Oh, it just doubles down on, uh, not caring about who this person is as a human. Just like, you're an object. All I read when I read this chorus is, you're an object. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did, as long as you love me. So I don't care about the things that you should use to establish whether or not you care about somebody, which, you know, I mean, we all have different things that we use to establish that, but it's, you know, generally composed of things that make up that person, right? Um, so, I don't know. That, that's a little ambiguous in, the, in, in my wording, but I hope you see what I'm getting at. We all have characteristics that we like about somebody, um, and those characteristics that we evaluate somebody on might be different, but this person is just saying, like, nope, I don't use any characteristics to evaluate whether or not I like you. I'm just going to see you at a glance and decide you're the one for me, even though I don't know you at all. How is that romantic? That's not romantic. That's stalkerish. 
Also, I'm lonely. Uh, I, that, uh, I don't know. If some girl did this to me, I would say she was a stage five clinger. Total psycho behavior. And then uh, after the chorus, it has a second verse. So um, let's see. How many verses does it have? Uh, I don't know. It just keeps on having choruses. All right. Well, it is shitty popcorn pop music. Um, every little thing that you have said and done feels like it's deep within me. Doesn't really matter if you're on the run. It seems like we're meant to be. I mean, this seems like the kind of song that, uh, you know, some teenage girl puts on after she's gotten in a big fight with her parents and runs to her bedroom and feels like she's, you know, being persecuted maybe because her mom said, hey, you know, please don't wear such a, uh, you know, short dress or something like that. God, mom, you don't understand. All the boys like it when I wear a short dress. Ugh. I, I wish that there was somebody who uh, doesn't care who I am or what I am about. They just want to be with me. It's just very simple. These are, this is, this is not, this is love from the perspective of somebody who doesn't really understand what it takes to actually have a relationship with another human being. Um, so like every little thing that you have said and done feels like it's deep within me. You can't have it both ways, man. You can't care about, not care about what somebody's done. They say right in the chorus, I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did. And then the next verse, they're saying every little thing that you've said and done, it feels like it's deep within me. You can't say you don't care about something that then has this huge, profound, that you claim to have this huge, profound impact on you uh, that feels like it's deep within you. So, I don't know. This... <laughs> this song sounds like it was written for teenage girls by teenage girls. Uh, namely, you know, just people who don't understand really what it takes to have a relationship that you build with somebody in a sincere way, uh, a romantic relationship. Uh, and I mean, the same could be said with teenage boys, right? Uh, they don't understand that either. It's not, I'm not picking on teenage girls here. Uh, but this music was primarily consumed by them. Um, uh, when it came out. And now that they're in their 30s, I think the Backstreet Boys are doing a reunion tour. Maybe they were like planning on it before COVID hit. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it, it, it would be funny to see if any of them look back on these lyrics and think like, wait, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, so if you are a girl or a woman, pardon me, listening to this podcast, and you were a huge fan of the uh, Backstreet Boys when you were a kid and now that you're older and you've had a chance to look at some of these lyrics uh, through the lens of an adult who understands how relationships work um, and you think that they're problematic or ridiculous and over the top and silly, send us an email. Tell us about uh, excuse me, your thoughts at whoapprovedtheselyrics at gmail.com. Uh, you guys listening, we always want to hear from you. Um, so yeah, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, I mean, to put it in the words of a great man, although loneliness has always been a friend of mine, I'm leaving your life in my hands. So, you know, guys, send us an email. Let us know your thoughts. Request some songs. All right? <laughs> oh, fuck you, Backstreet Boys. This is really dumb. Um, okay, and then they go into, I guess there's another verse. Uh, 
I've tried to hide it so that no one knows, but I guess it shows when you look into my eyes what you did and where you're coming from. I don't care as long as you love me, baby. This sounds like a fucking creep standing in line at McDonald's, just like staring at a woman. And, you know, the creep feels like total vindication when she's like looks back, like observes that he is staring at her or something. And there's no evidence in this song that any of this is reciprocated or that the object of desire here even knows who this person is. Um, and then they just do the chorus a bunch and that's the end of the song. Uh, I do think there are ways to have a song where you're just like looking at somebody in a mat and projecting interesting things onto them. Um, I like, there's, there's sort of a, you know, silly trope about, you know, falling in love a hundred different times a day with a hundred different women. Um, in the show Californication, uh, uh, Hank Moody is sitting at a bar feeling sorry for himself, which is his usual position in that show. He's this writer in LA. That's the premise of the show. Uh, who's a womanizer. And he says that he like falls in love with a hundred different women in a hundred different ways, a hundred times a day. He doesn't say that literally, I'm paraphrasing. Um, but the idea is that, you know, you can look at somebody and project stuff onto them and it feels nice sometimes, especially when you find that other person to be, you know, very attractive and interesting looking. And that can be an interesting uh, subject for a song. However, this song essentially boils down to I'm staring at a woman on the bus and I'm in love um, and I don't care about who she is as a person. Not cool, Backstreet Boys. Not cool. All right, moving on to uh, now that's what I call music. The next song we have up is The Way by Fastball. Uh, now, I remember I really liked this song on the radio um, when I was a kid, but I also had no fucking clue what it was about. So let's dive in and see if I was as misguided as the uh, uh, young girls who liked the Backstreet Boys songs were. Spoiler alert, I was, um, but, you know, maybe this song by Fastball will vindicate that fact. Sort of sounds like this band is full of American guys who like listened to a lot of Oasis and thought like, yeah, I can do that. And then like couldn't. I mean, I loved this song. I still have a bit of a warm place in my heart for this song, but let's see what it was about together, shall we? All right. So verse one begins, they made up their minds and they started packing and left before the sun came up that day. I like that as an opening line to a song. It, you know, it was a little bit mysterious, a little bit interesting. Let's find out if uh, they sort of follow through on that promise. 
uh, promise of intrigue, right? Uh. Pardonnez-moi. An exit to eternal to eternal summer slacking. But where were they going without ever knowing the way? They drank up the wine and they got to talking, but now had more important things to say. And when the car broke down, they started walking. Where were they going without ever knowing the way? All right. A charitable interpretation of this is um, maybe this is about the ennui suffered by Gen X, um, who was really kind of hitting their stride in 98. They were a little bit older. They weren't the uh, young generation anymore. Um, and they generally had this sense of like, man, cares, man. Um, and maybe this song is going after that. Um, that's a charitable uh, interpretation of this, but there's really no context for these the subjects of this song. So got no fucking clue. Uh, so, so far, just based on the first verse, not that interesting because you don't know what's going on as the listener, right? And then the chorus says, anyone can see the road that they walk on is paved in gold and it's always summer and they'd never get cold. They'll never get hungry. They'll never get old and gray. You can see their shadows wandering off somewhere. They won't make it home, but they really don't care. They wanted the highway. They're happier there today. I don't know, man. I mean, I guess there might be a, like, it's the journey, not the destination that's important thing going on here. But without context, it's really difficult. And I don't think I'm missing anything um, that gave context. Um, it, they, I mean, it begins by saying they, who are they? That makes, it makes this song a thousand times more interesting if this band says who they are, because then at least you have some context, you know what they're talking about. And to open a song and not give you that context, uh, really makes it not, not very interesting. Like one of the reasons why twists work in movies, um, where they work like fight club or fifth element, uh, fifth, the sixth sense, pardon me, um, the sixth element and the fifth sense. Um, one of the reasons why twists work is that the movie, the like lead up to the reveal is also interesting in and of itself. Um, you can't have something that's only interesting if you also know the context. Uh, so like, I don't know, in Fight Club, when you find out that um, Brad Pitt is uh, Ed Norton, he's the narrator, it's a split personality. Uh, the rest of the movie is interesting because you're following Ed Norton on his journey and you guys discover the same things together. You see this character grow and move and whatever. Um, and you don't need to know that they are the same for the movie to have any meaning whatsoever. Whereas here, for this to have any meaning whatsoever, um, you really do need to know the context. So... And uh, the snoring that you might be hearing in the background is uh, my faithful dog, Luna. She is the mascot of the show. Um, and yeah, so just explaining any background snoring you might hear. All right. Uh, so then verse two, the children woke up. Oh my God, are we talking about children? At least maybe we get some clues to who these fuckers are, right? Who these they are. Children woke up and they couldn't find them. They left before the sun came up that day. They just drove off and left it all behind them. Leave it all behind. Where were they going without ever knowing the way? Then it goes into a chorus again. And then it goes into a chorus again. And it doesn't say anything. Ah! 
this is uh this is really fun frustrating um i don't know man without see the song is meaningless without um some sort of context so on lyrics genius it talks about how um there is context for this song but i'm not even gonna uh give you the context because one you can look it up if you want but two art should stand alone as an independent piece of expression it shouldn't you know, rely on you needing to know some other shit. Um, and if it does, it just, you know, cuts you out as an audience member. Um, so, you know, like, I don't know, the Mona Lisa, it, even if it has some interesting historical context that historians haven't figured out yet, it's just a fascinating painting to look at. Like, it's, I don't know, it's just beautiful. Um, you don't need to have some sort of backstory to appreciate it. Uh, but if you did, it would just be like, well, if you don't know the backstory, you don't like it, and it's, I don't know. For me, that's kind of what the way, um, uh, does to me when I, you know, listen to it and look at the, uh, lyrics. Um, so I guess it does vindicate the idea that I was, uh, kind of misguided in what I liked when I was, uh, younger in the same way that, um, these teenage girls who like the Backstreet Boys grew up and, uh, hopefully... Uh, looked back with a little bit more of a critical eye now that they're older. Um, all right, what's the next song? Do, 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 do. All right, the next song is called Flagpole Sitta by Harvey Danger. This is another song who I that I remember uh, you know liking when I was younger, but not really knowing what the lyrics were. Also, back in the day when I was younger, we uh, uh, back in the day when I was younger, um, we uh, God, I feel so old saying things like this, but um, it's true. We didn't have a way to figure out what the lyrics were. We you either bought the CD or had a friend who had it and could look at the liner notes. Um, or you, you know, listened to it on the radio a bunch of times and tried to figure out what it said on your own. Uh, that was the way you figured out lyrics. And um, so I never knew what the lyrics were for this to, uh, definitively. And so it's interesting to me to dive into this. All right. I had visions. I was in them. I was looking into the mirror to see a little bit clearer the rottenness and evil in me. Okay, so the song begins on an introspective note. That's fascinating. That's a fascinating uh, subject matter for a song. It got me. I'm hooked. All right. Harvey Danger, reel me in. Fingertips have memories. Mine can't forget the curves of your body. And when I feel a bit naughty, I run it up the flagpole and see who salutes, but no one ever does. Okay. Um, 
so I guess this begins by saying, you know, I feel bad about something. Um, and then it goes straight to talking about um, being with a woman. And uh, nobody kind of recognizing that this person uh, is celebrating themselves being with a woman. Um, and I guess that maybe ties in with the whole feeling, you know, naughty. Um, and then I'm not sick, but I'm not well because I'm so hot because I'm in hell. So this is a fair bit of self-castigation. Um, all right. Uh, and they aren't doing it in a manner that's so ambiguous that it's, you know, indecipherable. Uh, seems to be a straightforward, hey, I hate myself for the following reasons type of song. Uh, and as someone who also hates themselves, I'm with it. All right. <laughs> um, been around the world and find that only stupid people are breeding, the Cretans cloning and feeding, and I don't even own a TV. Put me in the hospital for nerves and then they had to commit me. You told them all I was crazy. They cut off my legs. Now, it, now I am an amputee. God damn you. Uh... This takes a turn for the surreal at the end, um, but sort of grappling with mental illness and uh, dealing with a feeling of nihilism and lack of faith in the world and seeing how, you know, needing medical attention is a way to uh, kind of start coping with that. Also interesting subject matter for a song. Also interesting uh, juxtaposition with the music because the music is like definitely like upbeat, happy. Sort of like the song Pumped Up Kicks, which is like happy, upbeat, kind of like synthy music, but really dark subject matter. So sort of putting the two against each other is really interesting because they contrast so violently. Um, and then I'm not, it goes back to the chorus and then uh, in the bridge, I want to publish zines and rage against machines. I want to pierce my tongue. It doesn't hurt. It feels fine. The trivial sublime. I'd like to turn off time and kill my mind. You kill my mind, mind. All right, so this is uh, about a song that seems to be about a descent into madness. Um, and yeah, like raging against the machine. I want to rage against the machine and publish scenes. So both of those are ways to uh, um, express dissatisfaction with the you know current environment. Um, and if you feel really overwhelmed by that dissatisfaction, it can definitely lead to a mental breakdown. I mean, how many people are having a difficult time with the COVID situation? The only um, ounce of, I guess, pity I'll give to the sort of Karens you see running around um, in the videos where they're, you know, screaming at people who are asking them to wear masks is, yeah, we're all pretty much on edge. And if you are already an asshole... Um, you're probably going to react badly like all the Karens in the videos. I don't think it excuses their behavior, but like the one tiny sliver of understanding I have for them being horrible assholes is based on the fact that, yeah, we're all pretty much on edge, right? Um, uh, and so publishing a magazine is a, you know, a zine is um, a magazine in the punk community that is generally self-published and... Um, usually is used to promote local bands and advance a left-wing uh, political agenda, um, which, you know, is an important part of the punk community. 
Um, and it played a huge role in advancing punk rock uh, and, you know, letting people know when shows were and letting people know who bands, uh, new bands were before the internet was really big. People would, you know, just self-publish these magazines, basically. Um, that was before you could get any music you wanted on Spotify or whatever. You just, you know, you looked at, <laughs> you went to the record store and looked at the local zine and said, okay, where's a, you know, who's playing at a concert? Uh, okay, these guys are playing here. I've never heard of them. Oh, there's an article about them. Okay, I'll go. I'll read the article. Oh, they seem interesting. I'll go see them live. Um, and yeah, this was all analog and in person. Whew, I'm old. Uh, and obviously Raging Against Machines is just a, um, they're just a, you know, talking about the band Rage Against the Machine. Um, and then, you know, talking about uh, piercing one's tongue is very much so a, uh, you know, rebellious act that one can do, but it's also uh, probably an allusion to self-harm. Um, uh, so if you're talking, you know, if you're mentioning uh, uh, body modifications while in a song that's largely about um, her, you know, going mad, then that's probably part of the descent into madness. Not to say that you, that body modification is madness but you know hurting yourself is part of going crazy and uh saying it doesn't hurt i feel fine is probably pretty ironic um within the context of uh going mad right um and then this third verse paranoia paranoia everybody's coming to get me just say you never met me i'm running underground with the moles digging holes hear the voices in my head i swear to god it sounds like they're snoring but if you're bored, then you're boring. The agony and the ironing, they're killing me. Whoa. Wow, there's a lot of... Uh, this song really um, is about a descent into madness, and it just keeps getting deeper. So, you know, talking about paranoia and everybody coming to get you. Um, but it does seem to be a self-aware um, descent into madness. Like, this person knows that they're mad. You don't describe everybody coming to get you as paranoia. Um, unless you kind of know, oh, geez, something bad is happening here. Um, and then, uh, one of the things that stuck out to me about this, um, this person says that, uh, the vo voices in their head sound like they're snoring. Just like you, Luna, you're snoring right next to me. I don't know if you can, if that's picking up on the mic, but my dog loves snoring right next to me. <laughs> um, anyway, uh... Uh, yeah, so if you're boring the voices in your head, man, you've got to feel, like, just terrible about yourself. Like, you're not even interesting enough for the voices in your head to, you know, uh, awake. That's got to make you feel real low. And then um, something that a lot of parents classically say to their kids is, if you're bored, then you're boring. Um, and so that's probably a reflection on perhaps a... Uh, childhood with some difficulties um, and then the agony and the irony uh, they're killing me so just feeling totally overwhelmed I mean this this song as a song about a descent into madness um, one of the reasons why I think it's so um, lovely even though it's about a terrible topic that clearly causes the author quite a bit of agony is that it's not it doesn't deal with the subject matter as 
in like a way that is anything other than straightforward. So it doesn't say like, oh, woe is me, pity me, this bad thing's happening. And it doesn't say like, oh, I'm going crazy and it's everyone else's fault. It identifies like, oh, the world's out to get me, but that's paranoia. Um, so it, in a weird way, I think this is a really balanced, um, mature take on a descent into madness, which I don't know. I, I like, I think that makes it well-written. Um, and yeah. Uh, so flagpole Sitta, um, was surprisingly deep. I didn't think it was going to be that interesting of a song. Um, mostly cause the music is so like upbeat and peppy. But yeah, here we are, Flagpole Sitta. It's a surprisingly deep song. All right. Um, <laughs> well, we've probably got another very you know deep and meaningful song coming up. This is by the Spice Girls. Say you'll be there. <laughs> All right. Let's see if this one's a good one. They absolutely stole that opening from uh, Snoop Dogg. Son of a bitch. Wait, which one did... Uh, Snoop Dogg's first album. Oh, man. I... Uh, his Yeah, Doggy Style. Is it Gin and Juice? <laughs> yeah. kind of taken from like not the beat itself but the music over the beat is kind of taken from uh the album doggy style by snoop dogg um and let's see what the lyrics are like here um ah say you'll be there i'm giving you everything all that joy can bring this i swear so that's pretty low expectations <laughs> i'm gonna do everything all you gotta do is show up <laughs> already this relationship is one-sided and uh, maybe this woman should extricate herself from it relationships should be even at least in terms of effort result isn't the important part but effort is so like you know one person's 100 percent effort could result in a lot less than another person than the person they're in the relationships with um 
hundred percent effort and both people, you know, if they're happy with that, they're happy with that. And that's great. But what I think is wildly problematic if is if one person really shows up, um, and this is true for friendship too. And the other person, you know, just really isn't all there. Um, so yeah. All right. Uh, so this, this relationship is, uh, starting off on a bad foot in my opinion. <laughs> All right. Last time that we had this conversation, I decided we should be friends. Hey, but now we're going around in circles. Tell me this. Will this deja vu never end? Oh, huh. So <laughs> this is wildly contradictory. This is wildly contradictory messaging from this, uh, this woman. She's saying, Hey, uh, I'll give you everything. Uh, just say you'll show up. But then she's having conversations with this fella, uh, and I assume it's a fella because, you know, the Spice Girls were marketed in a pretty uh, heteronormative way, which is cool. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I don't know, uh, with Me Too and BLM and everything, uh, it probably makes sense to talk about things um, through the lens of an inclusive society. And I think I can do that and still be pretty fucking broy and chug beer, um, because at the end of the day, if you can't do that, it's probably a measure of like lack of confidence, right? Like, why shouldn't you be? Able, why shouldn't everybody have a seat at the table? How does that make me ever, any weaker um, if I, you know, put somebody else down or don't view, try and you know, accommodate uh, the worldview of somebody who isn't me? Uh, and speaking of that, actually, uh, so I, I, I think that with the low hanging fruit, I'm really fucking good. Like, I think that there are, um, you know, like, uh, different, um, views on, you know, like heteronormative being heteronormative, right? Like the heteronormative marketing of large bands. So then, you know, just not assuming that every song is about a man and a woman because it's about because that's the, you know, natural order, quote unquote, right? Like that Hollywood assumes or that the music industry assumes, but really just calling out that, hey, they're, you know, they're assuming this and that's what I assume this song is about because of its larger context. But, you know, maybe it's about something else unless they're using the word like he or she um, to talk about their feelings. Like we just kind of naturally assume it's about he or she, but that's because we have a heteronormative society. And to be fair... I think the rates of gay people in society are like 10%, and that's pretty consistent across most societies that take honest notes about that sort of thing. So, yeah, like if 90% of people have green eyes, hypothetically, or like, I don't know, two hands, then, you know, most things are going to be framed for people with green eyes and two hands. Um, it doesn't mean that that 10% of people though shouldn't be represented and shouldn't be talked about as if they're there fucking too, right? They're there and, uh, should be recognized as being there. So anyway, I don't know. Uh, that's my bro take on inclusion. But speaking to that point, um, I read this really interesting article recently on knowingless.com, um, which is a blog written by, uh, I guess... Uh, intellectual or artist um, named Ayella, A-E-L-L-A, and it's called The Side Effects of Preferred Pronouns. Um, and she, the big picture of her article is saying that 
when non-binary people, so people, and the way I define that is people who don't identify with a gender, be it male or female, and I find that non-binary people are different than trans people because trans people, from what I've observed in the media and everything, are people who identify with a gender that is different than the one that they were um, uh, biologically assigned by, you know, their genes and their genitals. Um, and 100%, I am totally on board with um, calling trans people the pronoun that they want to be called. Like, if there's somebody who is, you know, they felt that they were always a woman, but they were born a man, uh, I'm happy to call that person a she. That is uh, an adjustment, because I wasn't raised with it, but, like, that's okay. I can be a little... Uh, I don't think the word is uncomfortable at first. I just think like, yeah, I can adjust to that because not because it's like something to need to be adjusted to other than it's novelty, like because it's new um, to me. It's new to me and it's new to society that people uh, of that um, background are being recognized for, you know, who they are, um, which is fantastic. I'm all about that shit, right? However, this... Uh, a yellow person, whose name I might be saying wrong, in knowingless.com, the article's called Side Effects of Preferred Pronouns, talked about, uh, well, the first sentence says it actually perfectly. I'm starting to dislike using preferred pronouns for non-binary and genderqueer people. Now, I'm not going to touch the term genderqueer people with a 10-foot pole because I don't know what it means. Uh, I can have some assumptions about what it means, but... That's not what I'm confused about. What I'm confused about is what I know a little bit about, and that's non-binary, and that frustrates me a little. Somebody who, I don't know, doesn't want to be assigned a gender or something like that? I, not for me. Um, so this, this person in Side Effects of Preferred Pronouns writes about how calling somebody uh, a set of pronouns that is confusing to them is a little frustrating. So... They begin the article by saying, yes, they use the ones that uh, are preferred by their friends, but um, it makes them feel like, well, they say it best, it makes me feel a bit like I'm playing a game of pretend. Um, if an assigned female at birth person asks me to use they, I do my best to treat them like they don't belong to either gender. But my brain does not play along. It sits on my shoulder like a child. She's a woman, it says. She's a woman, and you're pretending she's not. I tell my shoulder brain to shut up, but it does not shut up. And so despite what I want to feel, my actual experience around non-binary people is that I'm actually talking to a woman, but I and everyone around me are pretending that we're not. So, yeah, I, oh, I don't know if I could go that far to say they when, you know, I see somebody who is... Um, a person with a vagina who doesn't want to be identified as a male. Like, human beings are human beings. You might not be comfortable in your own skin, and if you want to, you know, flip from one side or another, that's cool. I don't know that I like the idea that you just kind of get to opt out of something that we all are a part of. Um, and I don't think it's that, like, prime like primal as a trans person who really like from what I've like read from, I don't know, like Caitlyn Jenner, right. That this person just felt like 
she was always a she despite having been born a man. Like that I get, but just like, nope, I'm not anything that, you know, defines what half of humanity I'm on. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know that I respect somebody's decision to just say that about themselves. You might not like that, but I don't want to play that collective game of pretend because, I don't know, doesn't... <sighs> I don't get it. And I also, I have a friend who I talked to this article about, to, who I talked to about this article, um, and my friend said, well, why don't you want to do that? Like, what's behind that? And I think, I like the idea that we're all kind of something. I like the idea of definitions and groups. Um, I don't think you should be confined or unable to do s certain things because of your definition or your group, but I don't think the, there's harm to having a definition or a group. I think the harm comes when definitions and groups are excluded from things. Um, but just the act of having a definition in a group, I don't know. It, it makes me feel weird, but I don't know. I, I think, but also, I guess a lot of um, people might have said that about gay folks like 30, 40 years ago, right? Like, oh, can't you just be a hetero? Uh, I don't know. Maybe my... I don't think my views are like that, though. Um, so then the in this article um, on knowingless.com, uh, this person talks about how um, she's uh, starting to resent that someone else is um, sort of making them do something, basically. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting article. It's an interesting topic. I, I don't want anybody who's listening to this who feels like they're non-binary to feel like I'm attacking them. Um, I've got an opinion. You've got an opinion. Send me hate mail. Uh, who approved these lyrics at gmail.com or even better, uh, tell me why I'm wrong. I'll read what you say on the air. I mean, like, uh, I don't, I'm not the be all end all on this, right? I'm a cis white dude. Shit's easy for me. Um, maybe you've come to your position through a struggle that I don't understand, and I'll understand it better if you tell me. It's not up to you to do my homework for me, but uh, I don't know anybody who says they're non-binary. Anyway, that's um, that's something that I found interesting, uh, and I highly recommend reading that article. It's an interesting one. Just you know, Google uh, knowingless.com and then side effects of preferred pronouns. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's get back to the Spice Girls. <laughs> Speaking of uh, difficult to have um, gender-based conversations. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, okay. So this woman seems to be giving this guy um, mixed messages and then wondering why he's uh, maybe not showing up to the relationship. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's, that's a quick take on it, but let's, let's dive a little deeper. All right. Sorry, just finishing that first beer. It is 45 minutes in, and I just finished the first beer. This is, I think, the slowest drinking podcast that we've ever had on Waddle. Um, so, yeah, I hope you're uh, drinking faster than me, but in a relative, relatively responsible way, right? Like, <laughs> um, I won't endorse irresponsible drinking, even though I chug a million beers and encourage you to do it on the show. Um, 
blah, 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 whatever, right? Um, okay, so verse two. Now you tell me that you've fallen in love. Well, I never ever thought it would be a, this time you got to take it easy, throwing far too much emotions at me. What the fuck is this? What is this shit? This woman is sending sending so many mixed messages to this guy. You're in love? I'm going to show up and give you everything, but you're in love? No way. Ugh, gross. Man, this is, this is very confusing. My dog thinks I'm talking to her because she doesn't understand how recordings work. So she's looking at me because I'm reacting to this. She's like, are you okay, boss? Is everything all right? No, everything's not all right, Luna. The Spice Girls are giving so many guys mixed messages in this song. Very confusing, girl. Oh, you're a good girl. Thank you for understanding. All right. Um, and then... Um, but any fool can see they're falling. I gotta make you understand. I'm give. I'll give. I'm give. Ah, I'm giving you everything. All that joy can bring. This I swear. I'll give you everything. All that I want from you is a promise that you'll be there. This is so confusing. Why are these women all over the place? Maybe they just like. I don't know. It's a group of six women, and maybe they just all got to write a verse and didn't know what the other ones were writing verses about or something. <laughs> The producer was like, fuck it, we'll put it on wax. It'll be brilliant, ladies, brilliant girl power. Spice up your life. Doesn't matter if you know what song you're writing is about. All right. If you put two and two together, you will see what our friendship is for. Oh, if you can't work this equation, then I guess I'll have to show you the door. There's no need to say you love me. It would be better left unsaid. I'm giving you everything. Yeah, this is so many. These are so many mixed messages. Ah, oh, yeah. So basically, all the verses are about how this guy is too into her, but the chorus is entirely about giving everything to this fella. Um, you know, assuming it's a heteronormative relationship. What the actual fuck? Oh, man, I sympathize with this guy. I can see why he's not giving her everything. Uh... <laughs> This, uh, this, I can't, I can't even, I'm, I'm feeling odd because I can't even, let's just go to the next one. All right. All my love, all my life by Casey and Jojo. Way too many violins. That's some bullshit. Sorry. I didn't I, I've never heard this song, otherwise I would have fast forwarded it. Alright, I'm gonna veto this song. I really do not like I like good R and B. You know, you get your like uh Marvin Gaye's or Teddy Pendergrass, whatever. Um I, I like that kind of stuff. This is not a genre of music that I enjoy listening to. 
the one qualifier for that is um, pre-horrible sexual allegations and like not allegations. They're not allegations that they're true. Um, but you know, pre-horrible sexual allegations are Kelly. Uh, his stuff was so over the top and stupid like trapped in the closet and stuff like that, um, that it was funny. But now knowing him, it's like a Bill Cosby album. There's definitely talent from both of them, but I can't listen to either with a clear conscience, and I would urge you not to either. Um, all right, so let's go to Mbop to round things off, because that's by Hanson, and I've always wanted to know what the fuck the, those lyrics were. So Mbop lyrics. Do, 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 So you have so many relationships in this life. One or two will last. You're going through all the pain and strife. Then you turn your back and they're gone so fast. Uh, for a band of children, that's those are relatively insightful lyrics. Um, you do have a lot of relationships in life, but not many of them will last. So, yeah. Uh, and then, you know... You're going through all the pain and strife, but then you turn your back and they're gone so fast. Uh, you know, it's a good nod to the ephemeral nature of relationships um, and how even if they're bad, then they're gone. Um, and things happen a lot more quickly than it feels like they might. Um, those are wildly insightful lyrics for Hanson's Mbop. I did not expect that. Um, all right, cool. Let's keep going. Uh, and then, oh yeah, they're gone so fast, so hold on to the ones who really care. In the end, they're the only ones there. Then when you get old and start losing your hair, can you tell me who will care? Can you tell me who will still care? Alright, that kind of devolves into schlock, because it's just not as, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's just schlock. Um, and then they're gone so fast, yeah, yeah. I don't know, that, uh. So hold on to the ones who really care. In the end, they're the only ones there. I don't... I don't know why I think that's so schlocky. It just doesn't seem very authentic. Then when you get old and start losing your hair, can you tell me who will still care? It just seems kind of insincere because it's not based on anything very specific. Like, this big picture of you'll have so many relationships and one or two will last... And then when you're going through pain, uh, turn your back and they're gone so fast. That seems to be, you know, based on the big picture and, you know, talking about life and stuff. And the rest is just like holding on to the ones who really care. That's not as zoomed out or interesting. That's just like back of a fortune cookie uh, generic. So, yeah, I don't know. They, uh, they had me and then they lost me. Um, and then the chorus just sounds like they had, um, 
Here's a good example of what this chorus is. Uh, sitting on the dock of the bay, um, they just recorded a um, uh, a whistle track as a placeholder, and then the artist died. Um, sitting on the dock of the bay. Yeah, Otis Redding, right? Um, uh, so Otis Redding uh, died in a plane crash, right? Um, and they just put the whistles in as a placeholder track for what they were going to put in with words, but it was, you know, also beautiful. And this mbop just sounds like um, a placeholder track, you know, where they kind of had something where they could put something better in later, and they just sort of never did. And they got fucking rich doing it, but... Sounds like shit. <laughs> because it's meaningless. That's why it's it sounds like shit. It's it's meaningless. It doesn't mbop doesn't mean anything. It's like hold on to people you care about. Mbop Fuck you. It's just so generic that it doesn't mean anything, and then the chorus literally doesn't mean anything. So it's like getting trolled by these quote unquote artists at so many levels. Um and I've heard tell that they were talented, like they played their own instruments and stuff like that. Good for them. But at the end of the day, I don't measure talent by like technical ability on an instrument. I measure talent by an ability to make compelling music and something that's compelling is meaningful. Um, at least that's how I see it. All right. Verse two. Then I see you plant a flower, plant a rose. You can plant any one of those. Keep planting and find out which one to find out which one grows. It's a secret that no one knows. <clears throat> it's a secret no one knows. No. <laughs> like veto. Just goddamn veto. This is There's nothing here. Um, what does it mean? How does planting flowers relate in any way to the idea of like holding on to people you like? Sure, you can say that it's an analogy, but they don't relate the analogy to the subject matter of the song. So it just comes off. Again, this is all filler. This is like they've put some music together for a pop song with a you know classic verse, chorus, verse con uh, construction. And they came up with some placeholder text until they... This is lorem ipsum. If you're a coding nerd, you know what that is. Lorem ipsum is the text that coders use to put into articles and headlines of articles when they don't have the content yet from the people they're building the website for, but they need to have some information filling the space so they know what to build around it, right? And it's just this sort of like gobbledygook quasi-Latin, but not really, that is meaningless, completely meaningless. Um, and that's what this song is, but for a decent first four lines. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Hanson, I hope you enjoy all that meaningless cash. Honestly, I'm sure I'm sure you do. How could you not? <laughs> I would, um, but I'd hope I'd put together something more meaningful than this if I was putting something together. So, yeah, this is just as vapid and meaningless as I thought it might be. Fuck you, Hanson. <laughs> All right. Um, 
All right, another track from this is Barbie Girl. And uh, let's see if this one has any meaning to it. Uh, I remember I sang this song karaoke at a bar mitzvah once, and it was super fun because we had a group of us doing it. And this is a loud, fun, silly song. And if you're a kid, um, it's perfect because it's just so goddamn ridiculous. So I think this song, I remember this song from when I was a kid, and I think it has a really good opportunity to sort of like say something about a vapid, meaningless life, um, and I don't know that it quite does. So, because that would be the reason why you would uh, have a song called Barbie Girl, right? To say, oh, this is like the reason why a vapid, meaningless life is dumb, <coughs> using Bar Barbie as like the, the central pivot for your analogy for that um and so let's see if aqua the band behind this does that all right i'm a barbie girl in a barbie world life in plastic it's fantastic you can brush my hair and dress me everywhere imagination it's your creation come on barbie let's go party all right i can give them a pass at the beginning because they're you know setting the stage getting giving you the context for this and it is interesting that they introduced that element of camp. You could brush my hair, undress me everywhere. Um, camp, as far as I've read about it, is kind of defined by everything basically being sexual innuendo. Um, so, I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. Another chorus. And then, uh, I'm a blonde bimbo girl in a fantasy world. Dress me up, make me tight i'm your dolly you're my doll rock and roll feel the glamour in pink kiss me here touch me there hanky panky all right so maybe they're maybe they're alluding to the wildly sexual nature of a children's toy and how if they blow up that wildly sexual nature then it shows you how inappropriate it is it is to have this model for a children's toy um i don't see them the song doesn't have as much complexity as I was hoping for. Um, and I'm definitely projecting my ideas onto it. And um, that's dangerous as a reviewer because you should really be seeing things for what they actually are. But I do think it's fair to say that they're pointing out uh, how overtly sexual the character of Barbie is. And then juxtaposed against the idea that this is a child's toy. Um, it really does become an interesting, powerful critique. So, uh, I'm not sure if they're quite sticking that landing, but, uh, let's soldier on. And then they just do the chorus a whole bunch. And then they finally have a second verse with make me walk, make me talk, do whatever you please. I can act like a star. I can beg on my knees, jump, come jump in bimbo friend. Let's do it again. Hit the town, fool around. Let's go party. You can touch, you can play, 
if you say I'm always yours, you can touch, you can play, if you say I'm always yours. And the chorus a bunch of times, and then that's it. I don't know. I guess if you're pointing out how uh, deeply sexual on a fundamental level the Barbie character is, you're pointing out that it's wildly inappropriate for uh, um, kids, and that makes sense as a critique. Um, they don't really go deeper other than kind of pointing out the campy nature of Barbie. Um, so I guess I'm a little bit on the fence about whether this is um, uh, Deep or Dumb, which is a good series of videos on YouTube by the people at Wisecrack. Um, by the way, like Knowing Less, Wisecrack, anything I mention here, we're not sponsored by. I just, I'm a big pop culture nerd. Um, but in a very, like, I don't know, specific to me way. So not some sort of pop culture nerd that's, like, got an encyclopedic knowledge of interesting pop culture things. I just sort of find my way down um, YouTube rabbit holes that interest me. So Wisecrack did that. Knowing Less did that. I actually found Knowing Less um, as a, a Reddit content creator um, and... Uh, saw that this person was a writer and checked out their writing and I don't know, some of it's pretty interesting. Uh, the most recent YouTube wormhole I've gone down is Tiny Houses. Um, there are so many videos about tiny houses and honestly, they look fucking awesome. Uh, they talk about, um, it. basically most of these videos are similar. They, you know, kind of give you a little tour of a tiny house. Um, I think the channel I like is called Living Big in a Tiny House. Um, it's by this New Zealand guy, uh, and he's carved out a real cool niche for himself. I really like his channel. Um, New Zealand guy, New Zealander, New Zealander. Um, and yeah, basically most of them, you can, most tiny houses you can get, even if they're, um, pretty luxurious, you can make them for a hundred thousand dollars if you're willing to put in, uh, a lot of work on your own building. So I don't know. I, I think that's a really interesting way to live. You can do it off the grid pretty uh, effectively. So, yeah, okay. Um, let's go to the next song. That, that was the last song. So that song is Karma Police by Radiohead. Uh, it's kind of funny that Radiohead are such a popular act because they're kind of like Sonic Youth in that a lot of their music and lyrics are very like off the beaten path and experimental. Um, but Radiohead have had a really solid pop career. And I've never really dove deep into their lyrics before, so I'm interested to see if... Um, I think that there's anything behind the song Karma Police. I know I really like the song Creep. Um, that's that's really deep and interesting. Um, so let's see if Karma Police also has that uh, meaning. 
<sighs> Cheers. All right. Karma police arrest this man. He talks in maths. He buzzes like a fridge. He's like a detuned radio. Karma police arrest this girl. Her Hitler hairdo is making me feel ill. And we have crashed her party. Okay. That's a, that's a lot to handle. Especially an hour in when my brain's a little fuzzy. But all right. Karma police arrest this man. He talks in maths. He buzzes like a fridge. Um, I don't really know what this means without context. He's like a detuned radio. So this person is really fuzzy. And then the karma police should arrest him because he's really fuzzy, I guess. Which is interesting because math is so precise. But buzzing like a fridge and de being detuned, a detuned radio are both are like really fuzzy thing sounds so that's interesting and then karma police arresting a girl for having a bad haircut and making this person feel bad and then we crashed her party uh so you went to her party i don't know oh this is this is too abstract uh this doesn't really mean anything because it's so abstract and yeah. And that's it. That's the verse. That's the only verse. And then the chorus is, this is what you'll get when you mess with us. Uh, verse two, I guess, is karma police. I've given it all I can. It's not enough. I've given it all I can, but we're still on the payroll. I don't know. I guess with a band like Radiohead, you're not taking them literally most of the time. They're You're listening to the emotion behind it. I can't help but be disappointed by that though, because I do think there are that you can make in a song that's like largely abstract and metaphorical, without being devoid of meaning um, on a you know upfront level. You can still have lyrics that are interesting and obscure without having to obfuscate their meaning by having them essentially say nothing. Um, and sure, like presenting cognitive different, uh, dissonance and, you know, meaninglessness in art as the meaning was interesting in like fucking post-World War II Europe when you're, I don't know, presenting your proto Jackson, like the stuff that might have influenced Jackson Pollock, right? Like the, uh... Uh, forebearers of modern art you know where you're just kind of like writing drawing a few like dashes of paint on a canvas which is you know hitherto for unique in the art world because most of the art world up until then had been uh, fixated on either like realism or twists on realism and then you just come with abstraction um and that's interesting, but like that's not interesting in 2020. Um, you know, it's the last 60, 70 years have gone by and just saying the same thing, which is, I'm going to say nothing and have it be meaningful because it's nothing. And like, don't our lives mean nothing, man? <sighs> I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty nihilistic and stuff, and I get it in terms of art that mean, but like art that means nothing really does mean nothing 
it doesn't it's not a wider critique at this point you know if you were novel with it it would be interesting but like sonic youth you know did this all in a much more interesting or at least a more original way 20 years earlier than radiohead would have done it um so yeah all right i'm gonna i'm gonna end on that note um i approve of some of the lyrics i disapprove of others i don't know what do you think who approved these lyrics at gmail.com uh would love to know your thoughts on you know the uh binary conversation and um the lyrics from this week and if you guys have any requests that's awesome also uh yeah looking forward to hearing from you assholes um so grateful that so many people all over the united states are listening um our audience is really diverse spread across um i think at least a dozen states by now uh and then all over the world um we've even got people listening in uh in lebanon which is super cool um thank you to our lebanese followers and uh we've got lithuanians all up in the uh all up in the ear holes which is cool as shit um i'd love to visit those baltic countries one day i've traveled around europe a little bit but never made my way up to the baltics and uh think it would be a fun interesting place to visit um a lot of post-communist countries would be interesting to visit um anyway uh, that's me signing off for uh, who approved these lyrics. Thanks for listening. Um, and uh, cheers, y'all. <laughs>